the name of the one true living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are about to enter into a vast forest of green. With this Sunday in Pentecost, we enter the long season of ordinary time. And of course, there are a few daubs of color in this forest, St. James Day in July, um, Feast of Dedication in August, St. Michael and All Angels in September. But beginning today, we walk in green. And because the readings on Sundays in the green season can be rather obscure, just look at the first one today. I'm sure we're all much richer off for having heard that. <laughs> Some years I preach in series. Other years, I've been known to stray from the readings, to touch on themes that I think are important, sometimes to do a little bit more in-depth teaching. And I want to start out today by talking about the collect, and then I'm going to preach on the collect. It's a little teaching. So collects are distinct from other kinds of prayer. They have a very particular structure. Collect comes from the Latin collego, meaning to gather, because it gathers into one the prayers of the individual members of the congregation, and because it gathers together or sums up the theme or the intention of the Mass. So they have a structure, and I wonder if you've noticed that before. And just to change things up, will you look at the collect on the front page of your bulletin? So in the colic form, first there is an opening invocation or an address. So in this case, Almighty God. Then there is a description of a divine attribute or action. You have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Then there is a petition, usually in very terse language. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching. There is an aspiration or what it is that we're praying for, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you. And then finally, a doxology through Jesus Christ, etc. Sometimes the order varies, but that is the basic structure. Now, not to belabor the point, Consider the Collect for Purity, which most of you know off by heart. Almighty God, that's the invocation, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, that's the divine attribute. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that's the petition, that we may, be a perfect, we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your name, that's an aspiration, and then the doxology through Jesus Christ, etc. You got it? So most of the collects in the prayer book are translations from the Latin by Thomas Cranmer for the first book of common prayer of 1549. They are well-worn. They are time-tested. They are not old-fashioned. They are timeless. And the genius of the collect structure is that it saves us from those long, rambling Ouija's prayers. So having considered the collect in general, let's turn to today's collect in particular, and as always, three points. Number one, 
Almighty God, you have built your church. So the church of God dispersed throughout the world belongs to God. She is the Father's visible instrument, having in herself all the resources and conditions necessary to achieve the salvation of the world. The church is the bride of Christ, bought with the price of Christ's own blood. The church is the pupil of and is vivified by the Holy Spirit. When I became the rector of my first parish, a wise old priest took me aside, rather roughly by the arm, and said something quite profound. He said, the true rector of any parish is God. Don't you ever forget that boy. But let us all remember that the church belongs to God, not to me, not to you. She is bigger than us. She will remain even after we are gone until Jesus comes again. Now, I promised myself that I would refrain from the Camino travelogue in the pulpit, but I know you're going to forgive me this one reference. So everywhere you would walk along the Camino, there were churches, very old churches, often built upon the foundation of another old church. A modern church in Spain was built in the 1700s, which means that they don't have that ghastly East German-inspired church architecture that we call modern. But as old as they are, they remain. Mass continues to be said, men and women are buried, babies are baptized, the dead are prayed into the world to come. And this despite civil insurrection, Napoleonic invasion, the Red Terror of the 1930s, modern secularization, they remain. The church remains. And she remains not only because of priests or faithful lay people, she remains because the church belongs to God. And Jesus is our true cornerstone and he abides in his church forever. And speaking of architecture, God has built his church, too, upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. How do we know what is true? I don't have a Vatican inside my head, and neither do you. How do we know what is true when it comes to matters eternal? Well, we read the scriptures, of course. But as Scripture itself says, no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. That's why I don't like Bible studies. Bible studies often devolve into shared ignorance. What do you think it means? Well, what do you think it means? And there we all, 50 different opinions. In the Catholic tradition, we read the Scriptures in, with, and through the 2,000-year-old history of the church. We abide by precedent. We ask, what did the apostles teach? What did the prophets teach? What did the fathers teach? What did St. Ignatius, St. Francis, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Thomas Aquinas, Mother Teresa teach? That we will teach. 
I have never had an original theological thought. And neither has Father Daly nor any priest worth his salt. Innovation in theology is a recipe for disaster. As the late Bishop Terwilliger used to say, the task of the church is to express the mind of Christ, not correct it. And to do so is, is deeply, deeply prideful, isn't it? I mean, who is the person who departs from the received tradition of the church by his own authority? Who is he? A puff of wind. Nothing he gone here today, gone tomorrow. Some years ago, I was looking for a particular book, and I knew, I knew that the large bookstore on State Line across from Whataburger <laughs> would not have it. But I went anyway. Cross-cultural field trip, so to speak. <laughs> and you should have seen the reactions when I walked in in a collar and a black suit. I mean, the red phone to a large church on Moore's Lane, they were phone up, satellites were linking up. <laughs> they did not know what to do. First for them, first for me. Anyway, I searched for the book, and of course, they didn't have it. When was it written? The clerk asked. About A.D. 600, I said. Oh, she said, that's why... We don't carry books by dead people. 90% of my library is dead people. These are the apostles and the prophets upon whom God's church is built, and they are alive, both as saints in heaven interceding for us and by their abiding teaching here on earth. They are our foundation. And number three, Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching that we may be a holy temple acceptable to you. You know, true unity for Christians is not found in being nice or pleasant or just trying to get along with one another. That's all important. But true faithful unity is found in faithfulness to the teaching that comes down to us from the apostles, from apostolic doctrine. I once had a person tell me that his church didn't teach doctrine. We don't need all that eternally begotten and of one being with the Father stuff. I said, well, who is Jesus to you? And he said, he's the Son of God who died for my sins. And I said, that's doctrine. This is a peaceful parish for which I am deeply thankful. We do not have the issues here that many places have. That's not to say that everyone thinks the same way on everything. That would be completely unreasonable. But our peace and unity, I think, exists because we are together seeking the truth as it is found in Jesus. And if I might channel Father Daly for a minute, we seek to know him, to love him, to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him in that life 
that has no end. Quite good, that. I have but one issue, and that is Jesus as he is proclaimed by the apostles and prophets and alive in his church today, and I know you do too. And together we have our eye on the prize, we make the main thing the main thing, and so here there is that manifestation of the spirit of which Paul speaks. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as the psalmist says, oh, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. So let us now stand and together affirm that unity of faith, saying, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all.